Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, episode 23, the great Michael Jordan of the Mike and Mo Show. Here we are. We are back. Brand new week, big things going on in the world of sports. We're going to have plenty to get to as the Pokemon craze sweeps the nation, maybe even the world. I don't know. I don't know what's going on outside right now. It's kind of crazy. But um, a lot going on. Mo, welcome to the show. Um, give us a rundown. What's going on today? Uh, we got a lot of uh, rule tweaks for some reason. This episode is going to be the rule tweak edition. We got NFL Potential rule tweaks. We got MLB considering things. We got Phil Jackson throwing in some NBA uh, tweaks that he made that he would probably enact if he were uh, Adam Silver. I don't necessarily agree with them, but you know it is Phil's thoughts. He's a Zen master. You can say what he wants. But we're gonna start with some MLB news that could shock. I, well, I shouldn't say shock the world, but it's more of like a window dressing issue. MLB is considering shortening their 162-game season to 154 games, to which I say, who cares, because it's only eight games. Uh, the MLB season is long. We all know that. There's nothing they can do. Once you open Pandora's box to expanding a season, it's very hard to take it back because then players lose money and their contracts are, are tied to this, you know, to, to, to the games that are played. So, in, in effect, I see this as, as Apple selling a computer for $3,000 and they're saying, hey, you know, we're going to cut down the price. We, we care about the people. We want the people to be able to afford our product. So, we're going to cut it down from $3,000 to $2,850. So, you save about $150. And Deal. So, that I would say, uh, thanks, but that's not really that big of a dent in it. So, with this whole baseball thing, I understand they're trying to get the younger crowd who has, you know, attention deficit disorder issues of watching baseball games because they're a lot slower paced. Mm -hmm. But there's not really, there's not much MLB can do, again, because contracts are tied to this. You're going to have over 100 games of inventory. And the game is is what it is. And and there's only so much you can do with it to get people to watch. I, I would say they should pay attention more so to the pace of the game versus the length of the season. And also tweak when the playoffs actually kick off and start. Rob Manfred, Commissioner Rob Manfred, is is trying to is trying to tweak the game, and it's funny. Last night, uh, before the Yankees uh, went out and lost, unfortunately, CC Sabathia was CC Sabathia of old. The Yankees couldn't make it five in a row, but that's we'll save that for another time. Uh, Joe Girardi was was asked the same question. You know, what do you feel? Is this per? Is this making sense? Well, what is this all about? And because one of the new things now is Manfred even wants to possibly institute. A rule where you can only bring in so many relief pitches per, per game. You can you can only make so many trips to the mounds per game, which they've already begun to to institute last season. And Joe Girardi said, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like we're gonna we're gonna completely change the way the game is played. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense. It's like and he and he, he joked. He's like, you want to shorten the game, make it seven innings. You know, instead of being nine innings. Because how do you go about changing a game that's been played for a hundred? Of, you know, 100, 100 years here in, you know, America, all of a sudden you want to completely change the way it's, it's played. It's just, it's it's tough. I Look, I'm, all, I'm always the guy that's like, yeah, it's too long of a season. We need to change it. But like you said, what is eight games? 
At the end of the day, eight games, it's not enough. It, it, 20 games, maybe. Okay, let's go to 142 games. But the biggest problem about this is the players, the pay. If you tell a guy, like you said, great analogy, uh, if you tell a player he's going to play less games, then the owner's going to say, we want to pay you less money. Understandable. So what kind of player, and these guys, I think it's a guy like Giancarlo Stanton gets paid 20 grand a game, something absurd like that. If you tell a guy you're going to lose a million dollars because you're going to take, you're going to take, you know, X amount of games away. He's not going to be okay with that. That's a million dollars. It's half a million dollars, whatever it might be. So a player is going to say, well, you know what? I don't, don't take away these games. I'll just sit out an extra eight games during the season. So I'll wake up today and I'll say, hey, coach, my arm, my leg, I got diarrhea, whatever you want to <laughs> possibly say. He's going to say, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to play today because I am not going to lose that amount of money. And it's understandable. These are guaranteed contracts, not like the not like the NFL where I cut you and that money is no longer yours. No, this is this is something that Major League Baseball put into effect long ago that you get every single dollar that you sign for. Uh, it's crazy. It it is. It's kind of you know, it's you can liken it to the NFL now with their guaranteed money when they they give you 70 million dollars guaranteed or Andrew Luck gets 80 million dollars. It's crazy, but it is what it is. So you got to take it from where the players are their understanding is, hey, it's my money. I signed this contract. Now you want to change the way the game is presented? Uh, yeah, I understand that the owners want to give you less money, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big gray area, and I don't I don't see it happening anytime soon. I don't see it happening anytime soon because you have people, the people who like baseball, really really like baseball, like the baseball aficionados, are a lot older than you, Mike, and yeah. they're not going to be used to wanting to change any part of the game. I, and I agree with you. I would say. You can't you can't really take away a substantial amount of games to to make it uh, appealing to people. Say okay, we're cutting it down to 140 or 130 games. It's still a long season. It's a big difference. But if you're gonna if you're gonna try to get people to watch, I I would say you're gonna have to shorten the length of the actual game. Just make it as you said, seven innings. And Rob Manfred was on Mike and Mike show, and that came up. And you know they were saying maybe you just shorten innings, as you said, seven innings is. Is it long enough, you know, because they're trying to compact the game and make it, you know, make it move a lot quicker. And that's why they also threw out the whole pitch clock, a 20-second pitch clock on the mound. So that so they obviously trying to speed things up because they see hockey, they see NFL, they see NBA, everything is so fast-paced. Less of a thinking man's game, more of an action game. So MLB is trying to appeal to millennials. But to me, the way the game is designed is not designed for today's millennials to watch at you, you don't have the the marketing power the nfl and the nba have as we spoke on a previous episode the draft is like 50 60 100 rounds long so no one's gonna sit there and watch that so you, you rely on the actual product on the field when people tune into the game or when they go to the stadium and watch and you, you want to if it's not a lot of action you want it to go quicker rather than slower because you want people in and out and say okay we have this compact action for maybe two hours you get to see Bryce Harper, you get to see your favorite team, and it, and it goes quickly. You go home, next game, because there are 100-plus more games left to watch. So MLB really has a problem. Rob Manfred's going to really have to think about how he's going to tweak it. I, again, I don't see this whole shortening season working. Even if it does go down to 154 games, who cares? Again, still a long season. You still have to worry about the pace of the game, the actual game when people are watching. So big problem. I, I also mentioned earlier that the postseason should start a month early. And I say this because 
Right now, you have it, I guess, late October, early November. At that time, the NBA season is starting up. You're in the heart of the NFL season. I mean, think about it. This year, you're going to be running to the TV to watch the Knicks. You want to see Derrick Rose and Joachim Noah. You want to see the new-look Knicks and how they look. So you may turn it off of baseball real quick. Unless you're a Mets fan and they're in the World Series, you're going to be watching the Knicks if you're in New York. So that's it's a big problem with timing. I mean, the MLB is only, again, there's only so much they can do. They run from April to October, November. It's a long season. You shorten it at least a little bit, maybe a few more games. Get the postseason somehow to start a little earlier, and you'll have a lot more eyes on your product. Yeah, it's, it's tough because, you know, the way baseball is now, it starts obviously in Florida or, or Arizona with spring training. And when all the teams head back to wherever they may play, the majority are still, you know, either in the East Coast or the North, somewhere where it's still cold. So it's it's tough to start it any earlier. And then if you if you go later, it's it's basically winter. So any most of the places you're going to be playing, what's gonna, it's going to be snow on the field or it's going to be crappy weather, which does change the way the game is played in general. So... It's tough to to change the calendar of baseball. It's kind of like it's kind of perfect where it is because you can't really move it unless you said everybody's going to start uh, their regular season at their spring training game uh, facilities in Arizona or Florida. But the owners aren't going to want that because those stadiums hold maybe ten thousand people, uh, so they're going to lose money. So they're not going to be for that. I mean, the thing is, baseball has been one hundred and sixty two games since nineteen sixty. It used to be one hundred and fifty four games, so this isn't anything new. But TV revenues have changed. You know, the Yankees didn't have the Yes Network. So everybody wants a bigger piece of the pie. And unfortunately, you can't have everything. I mean, I understand baseball wants to get sharper. It wants to appeal to more people that are young. It wants to speed up the process. But if you've ever been to a game or if you've ever played the game of baseball, you understand that it's not a game that can be played with a shot clock. It cannot be played with a timer. It's just not that type of game. It's a slower-paced game. It's not for everyone, and that's fine. Those people can go play other sports, and that's the beauty of it. You have a choice. But even when I play on a Monday night softball team, and it's only an hour game, I hate the fact that it's an hour game because it does change the way that you approach it. So for the baseball purists, this it's not a great idea. I'm all for shortening, but if you're going to shorten it, you have to do something drastic, and it has to be approved by all parties. Uh, this isn't a Roger Goodell thing where we're just going to say, nope, 154 games, you have no choice stick with it or die. I mean, it's not, it's just not going to happen. So, um, a good idea in theory, but I don't see it ever catching legs because the MLBPA is a very strong players association. Uh, we've seen it through the years with the lockouts. Uh, we've seen it through the years with guaranteed contracts. So good luck. Um, let me know when this happens, but until then I'll be watching my three hour games. Uh, you heard it there. Mike is saying, all oh, you little snot-nosed kids, he doesn't care if you watch the game or not. You can go watch NBA, NFL, because he likes his baseball. He likes his three-hour games. And get off he my lawn. And he would like to keep it the way it is. Yep. So all you, all you millennials, you know, go do your thing. Go play Pokemon Go if you want. Baseball doesn't need you. Yeah, just don't do it while you're driving, because I, I think that's going to be the next serious thing. People Pokemoning and driving, please, please do not do that. Pokemoning and driving could be an actual skill, but we'll touch wow. on that probably later on. Yeah, oh boy. But that is it for the opening rant. We'll be right back with Open Mic. We're going to talk a little bit of everything. We'll be right back. Open Mic. It is 
official. The state of North Carolina has officially lost the 2017 NBA All-Star Game. Now, some people will complain and say anything they want because people just like to complain. Others will say that it's not a big deal because it's just the NBA All-Star Game and North Carolina's got bigger fish to fry, whether it's in the form of potentially losing NCAA basketball, first round, second round games of the tournament, uh, NASCAR speaking out against this. But Mo, bottom line, does this affect North Carolina and is Michael Jordan still crying about it? Uh, it does affect North Carolina because people have to understand when these all-star games come to certain cities, states, it helps them financially. So, you know, North Carolina and Charlotte, they, they wanted this. And unfortunately, because their H2 bill kind of uh, omits the LGBT community, it you know, it, the NBA said, hey, we, we don't have to do business here if we don't agree with, what you know, the laws that are in place there. So that's the NBA's standpoint from it they have a right to to move their product to another city state if they so choose what i would suggest is that the if they're choosing a new place to have it they should move it to cleveland uh, you know home of the champs beautiful and cleveland what has cleveland had in the last you know decade so give cleveland some love and, and put the all-star game out there i say it's a good alternative the nba is actually considering new orleans and new orleans already had the all-star game in 2008 and 2014 we need to change up the flavor a little bit mm. again I, I know cleveland is going to be cold in february but the team just won a championship and you want to you know give give that city some love because they they don't really get much Joe Kim Noah spoke out against Cleveland as to say, what's in Cleveland? Well, it could be the All-Star Game in 2017 if the NBA so chooses. Yeah, I mean, the the NBA All-Star Game is indoors. It's in a giant arena. It's not like, it's not a, I don't know, you don't need to worry about everything surrounding the area. And Cleveland's got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, you know, that time of year, um, there's probably ice skating. So, I mean, there's there's some <laughs> things to do. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, give give Cleveland a shot. Like you said, New Orleans has had it. The other the other cities that were possibly in the mix were New York, which has had it a bunch, whether it's at Brooklyn or, or at the Garden, and Chicago. Uh, I mean, I don't think Chicago's had it in, in a couple of years. But you know what? Can you imagine Chicago uh, off off that the lake in, the, in February, the type of weather that they would potentially have? Yeah. No, thank you. So, um... The only the actually idea that I had, and you know I don't, I don't know if the NBA we would be willing to do it is bring it back to and you're gonna laugh but hear me out before you do it bring it back to Orlando. Because, oh my no, god! No no, this is coming. No, 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 but wait, but wait. <laughs> there's I a reason. It. There's there's okay. a reason. My my reasoning is that this is obviously uh, this is a big thing. This is an LGBT issue. And the fact of what Orlando as a city uh, went through, you know, the, in the past couple of months with, with the Pulse nightclub shooting, which was obviously directed at a certain uh, lifestyle, a certain, you know, certain people were targeted. Uh, why not bring it back to Orlando? And yes, we had it a couple of years ago, but bring it to Orlando and show, you know, that the NBA is obviously they're united in their front. They're, they're doing something, you know, they pulled it out of uh, out of. North Carolina for a reason. So put it in Orlando, where a place where you know the community is still trying to come together and grieve. Uh, it just it's just solidarity. It just brings it just kind of brings it full circle, and that is why I think it should be in Orlando, not because I just want to go to an All Star game. Yeah, I mean we we brought up this uh, preposition a few episodes ago, I believe, uh, 
Rosillo and Canal had that, or was it? No, it was actually Jalen and Jacoby. I'm sorry. ESPN, Jalen and Jacoby actually offered this preposition to have it in Orlando after the Pulse shooting happened. Yeah. It makes, it does, which it makes sense. Um, but again, I, I, I just feel like either one, Cleveland or Orlando, both good choices, whatever they choose. But again, they're looking at New Orleans, I guess, because, you know, it's a party atmosphere. So the NBA wants to be festive and, and have it there, which is okay, because then it would probably be hosted by Buddy in the Brow. I know my buddy in, in Indiana would like that, Laura. She would she loves Buddy, and she had the Buddy in the Brow type of uh, host type of... Uh, she actually brought up that preposition before, which would be pretty cool. Again, but whatever the NBA decides, I'm cool with it. You know, even if they bring it back to New York, that'll be cool. Barclays Center, Madison Square Garden. But I just feel I feel bad for Charlotte, North Carolina, because there there are good people out there. People are gonna paint this area as oh, you can't go there. It's backwards. It's the South, you know. But it, it's it's the government. You have the people you put in office. You have to you have to vet them and see what what they stand for and what they're gonna do once they get in office for for the people. And apparently, the LGBT community, which is being targeted lately, is just even even on the presidential side with Republicans. That's a whole different story with Donald Trump. But uh, that community has been targeted for a lot, and I guess it's it's time to put your arms around them and instead of pushing them away and treating them like second rate citizens. As far as Jordan is concerned, I know he's pretty probably pissed about this because having an All Star game, but you're you know you're around your franchise. It's a big move, but uh, he it's not stopping him as an individual. He's going to drop a new shoe on September 3rd. It's going to be $185. Ooh. So I know he's going to be happy about that. It has the word ban at the bottom of the shoe because at the time, then Commissioner Russ Granick sent a letter to Nike saying that the shoes violated the uniform code because of the color, I believe. So um, he's going to be happy about his shoe. As Michael Jordan said, he, he's going to get his money regardless. So whether the NBA comes to Charlotte and has the All-Star game or his shoe is dropping, Michael Jordan wins regardless. So I know you're going to see the whole crying meme thing online with Charlotte losing the All-Star game. Won't matter for Michael Jordan. No, it never will because he has more money than God. So it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. But moving on, sticking in the NBA, uh, one of my favorite commercials right now, it's not really new, is when Michael B. Jordan is sitting in the trailer with with Kobe Bryant. And, uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan is, is saying, I'm playing you. I'm playing the younger, younger you. And it's funny that this kind of coincides with the fact that Kobe wrote a letter to his younger self. Now, I don't know if he addressed it to Michael B. Jordan exactly, but um, a little, a little. I mean, was it needed? Was it necessary? Is it just Kobe trying to stick, you know, it, it, into the narrative of "Hey, I'm still Kobe. I'm not going away." Uh, I don't know, Mo. It, it, was it? Is there a point to this? There was a point to this, and I think people are taking it from their own prism. There are people saying that, "Oh, Kobe's being self-centered. He threw his family under the bus." Because basically, okay, just to give background context. Basically, the letter says. Invest in your family. Don't give to your family. Basically, he's saying, I, I I, made all this money, and I gave my family all the things that they wanted, and it took away their ambition to do their own thing. What I should have done was invest in their hopes and dreams and hope that they can grow their own futures. Now, again, you could take that as him saying, oh, my family didn't do squat once I got famous and got all this money and they depended on me. Or you could take it as Kobe writing an open letter to everyone, and this is how I took it, is it's a warning to everybody, especially in the African-American community, 
It's always said that once you make it big, you look out for the people who took care of you when you were a kid. Now, that that can mean a, a lot of different things. That can mean giving money. That can mean helping with jobs. That can mean funding certain endeavors. It can mean a lot of things. And a lot of people fall in the trap of giving out their money too freely to people who necessarily don't deserve it or just there to use you. Because family, family is first. Let's get that straight. Yes, family is first. But there are also family members who are out there to use you for what you have. And they just don't necessarily care about you. They care about what you can do for them. So I feel like this letter was a warning to those people of, of any type of background. Be careful who you give your money to when, you, when you're young, rich, and famous because it can go that quick. Luckily for Kobe, he, he turns out to be one of the best players of all time, so his money will never run out. But for the average maybe C-plus, B-minus player who has a limit to their cash and their bank account, you might want to be careful who you give your money to. So I think that's where he was going with it. But some people see Kobe for who he is as being a self-centered person, saw it as him saying, I'm still the man and my family depended on me to be the man to put them through what they needed to go through to, in their lives to, to get to where they wanted to get, basically. And I'm still the man. I'm Kobe Bryant. I'm the man of the family. So I, I took it the other way, and I'm one of the biggest Kobe critics out there. Yeah, you are. But again, I felt like this letter was 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 just a warning to everyone. When you're when you're 17, 18, a teenager coming into all of this wealth, just be careful. That's it. Yeah, I think I think it's smart. I like it. Uh, you know, it's people are always going to be quick to criticize, especially if your name's Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, he did, regardless if you like him or don't like him, he worked hard. He went through a ton of adversity. Sure, he put probably a lot of that on himself. Uh, but again, he persevered. You know, he could have washed up uh, many, many years ago and just been another tragic story, but he has seemed to overcome it. Uh, I mean, even now, in his, his post-NBA career, he's, he's opened his own uh, entertainment production film company, and he's he's got future plans. He plans on, you know, not just being another one of those athletes that had his day in the sun and goes out and you know you never hear from again not that we thought that kobe would do that because that's just not his personality but uh you know who knows maybe he'll pop up one day he was obviously a very smart basketball player he he went that year he missed with the with the achilles injury he was a coach on the sidelines so kobe can do pretty much anything that kobe wants to do uh and you know there's enough negative which we'll get into the next story uh so it's nice to see someone that you know is going to paid forward and uh try to open some eyes for for a new generation coming and yeah what what does it hurt to, to look back and say well maybe had i done things differently or you know what i did was exactly what i wanted to do so so be it you know you can't you can't fault the guy for that kobe's changing he he actually kobe i feel like kobe wants to influence the youth if you if you um watched kobe was actually on nickelodeon where he had i believe gold slime yeah can you believe that type of Kobe back <laughs> way back when on the court? Do you think he would actually go to Nickelodeon and get slime nope. with gold slime? Like that's not the Kobe we're used to seeing on the court. It's true. This is a different mentality, a different type of person. I think he wants to reach out to the youth, and I think he tried to do that with this letter. But personally, I would have a letter to my 17-year-old self. And this is probably what I would say. Number one. Don't take shirtless pics on my <laughs> Not a good thing. It'll never do anything good for you. It'll only creep back up to haunt you later on in life. Seriously. Number two, don't take jobs near the Whitestone Bridge when you live in Brooklyn. That two-hour commute, Ooh. not a good thing. You'll probably wind up going back to your old job. Number three, go to basketball practice at St. John's because Tyler Ulyss was pretty good in the summer league this year, and he's not that much taller than me. 
I could have did what he could have did, what he's doing now, if I had just went to more St. John's basketball practices. Finally, eat your vegetables. All your vegetables. That's okra, peas, carrots. Eat all your vegetables. I probably would have been taller than five seven three quarters, maybe five <laughs> nine and three quarters, maybe five ten, and I would have been a point guard in the NBA right now. Also, stretch daily because that helps span your body. A couple more inches there. I would have been maybe five eleven, maybe six feet tall. Who knows? But that would be my seventeen. That would be my ode to the seventeen year old self. Do all of those things. My life is great now, but it would have been a little bit greater if I had done those things. My letter would have just said, Mike C. Just keep being awesome, baby. Just do you every day. Yeah. Keep them on hundred. Just be, yeah. just be all that you can be. You know that's because uh, I'm perfect. So moving, yeah. moving on, uh, moving on to uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has gotten nothing but, but slapback from everybody and anybody. Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Maurice Moton, all of these guys. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, it just came out of my mouth. So, you know, he's been in the news where, you know, people said he was in bed for a week. And now he says, well, that that was a little bit overblown. And it was funny. The other day, he's at USA Basketball Practice and uh, getting interviewed and everybody's asking him the same questions. You know, blah, blah, blah. Every day you turn on Levitard, it's the same talk. How could he do this? Why did he do this? Uh, DeAndre Jordan even made it, you know, he made light of it and said, how come you didn't come to the Clippers? So, I mean, it's funny that they're having a little bit of fun with it, but... Now we're talking about the fact that Kevin Durant got a Tupac, Tupac tattoo on his lower leg. Uh, is there a deeper meaning to this, or is it just the fact that he enjoys Tupac, Shakur? That, that's California love right there. Yep. He's, he's, a, he's with the Gold State Warriors in Oakland. You got to show love to the state where you're in. I mean, you don't have to, but, I mean, it was a good gesture by Kevin Durant. I am not a fan of leg tattoos for men. I don't know why. It just seems like a feminine thing, you know, to me. I'm sorry to those people watching, listening to the show with a leg tattoo who were guys. Hater. Not really in favor of that. Unless it's a small tattoo, but Kevin Durant has, like, his whole cat is, like, a Tupac face. And Tupac looks pretty sad on it. And I laugh because someone made a comment saying, even Tupac looks disappointed in KD for his move to the mistake. That made me laugh. But, uh... <laughs> On to, on to Kevin Durant's criticism. If you notice, his harshest critics are people without rings, a.k.a. Reggie Miller, a.k.a. Charles Barkley. And Kevin Durant had a quote saying, basically, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I'm not going to read the whole thing. Basically, he said, these two guys, they have voices in, you know, in our industry, and whatever they say, it must be true. If Barkley says it, it must be true. If Reggie Miller says it, it must be true. And he says it just feels bigger than what it is. And I agree. It's a guy who chose to go to another team which he has the freedom to do as an unrestricted as an unrestricted free agent. He could he could do what he wants. I mean, it's not like it's not like he pined he wanted out of OKC and pulled a Carmelo Anthony and people praise Carmelo Anthony for what he did of getting out of Denver to get to New York. And KD actually played out his season. He didn't want any distractions to OKC. He respected the organization not to talk about what he wanted to do at the end of the season. And he waited and he made his decision. What is the problem? Wrote a letter. But the problem but I don't is. See what the problem is. It is a lot bigger than what it is. Everybody just needs to let it go. Let okay, it go. he's playing for Golden State. This is what's going down. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's it. Just cut and dry. I want to know. I want to know what tattoos you got, Maurice Moton. Well, if you know what, I don't have any tattoos. I'm more of a clean cut, straight edge type of dude. So <laughs> I'm not. I, you know, I'm not into the whole tattoo thing. But if I were to get a tattoo. If I were, mm -hmm. this is what I would get. I would get a map of 
Brooklyn on my back. Yes, Bed-Stuy, Williamsburg. I'm in the middle. 50 Cent has a South Side 50 tattoo on his back. I would do a couple of pull-ups and crunches and all that workout stuff to get my back expanded and then get a map of Brooklyn right on right on the middle. All right. That's, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I, I think that'd be a good look. I am afraid of needles, so I don't want to hurt my porcelain <laughs> skin. Um, Ser- so, seriously, Mike? Uh yeah, those things ha- you can get hepatitis. Uh, you can get gangrene. You can get a lot of things. Okay, and when you are flawless, you do not want to hurt your body with anything like that. Mike, so, Mike, stop being a pansy. No, no. I thought about getting one. I thought about getting one when my grandfather passed away in his honor. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's that. Uh, I don't know if he would have wanted that. I don't know if my father would, would beat me because of you know, having a tattoo, being old school Italian. So maybe one day, but uh, you know, the older you get, it seems like people get their tattoos removed. So you know, maybe I've passed that, that part of my life as I am now in my early 30s. So you know, we'll see. But I, I don't even know what I would get. I was, I'm a big number guy. You know, Numerals are kind of my thing. Um, like when my grandfather passed, I thought about getting a 23 because that was his number. Uh, so you know, and obviously this is, this is pretty cool because this is episode twenty-three. So numbers, numbers are special to me. But a map of Brooklyn, um, that I'm sure that would be a good look, better on you than I because I'm not from Brooklyn. But you know, regardless, regardless, whoever, if you have tattoos, good for you. If not, you know, hey, slap a couple on. You know what? Join a gang. Do whatever you want to do. It doesn't really matter. You gotta rep your borough. I mean, <laughs> like I say, you can't just walk around. If I were to get a tattoo, I would have to rep the borough. Either that or. I'm not really into putting names on me, as a lot of people are. Yeah. I caution against that. But Brooklyn, that that'll that'll always be the same. It'll be always the borough, city, area where I was born. So it it will always have a meaning to me. Well, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, moving on to Phil Jackson, another man that wants to change the NBA as we know it, uh, and you know. A different idea. I don't know if anybody but Steph Curry is all for it, but Phil wants to not only make the shot clock longer, uh, he wants to bring it to, I guess, the NCAA standards. He also wants to implement a four-point shot from way downtown. Bang. Uh, like, Why what? not just add a five-point shot? Yeah, like, th- like Rock and Jock back in the day, like the 25-point shot from like half court. Uh, when does it stop? When th- Does it get comical after a while? Because this seems like a bit much. Is this Barnum and Bailey Circus? Like, hey. seriously? Like, Globetrotters. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't see the point. First of all, the longer shot clock, I think it's it's a shot to help Derrick Rose because Derrick Rose... 24% of his possessions last year, he had seven-plus dribbles on it. So he's probably trying to ease the rules for Derrick Rose. Number two, a longer shot clock will probably will probably cause more three-and-a-key violations to enter three seconds with centers and bigs standing in the paint too long. And the other thing about the four-point shot is I think that helps teams like the Golden State Warriors who have yeah. four three-point shooters on it. So he's saying that the four-point shot would close the gap in these blowout games, and I think it can have the opposite effect. If you have a team that doesn't shoot threes versus a team that does shoot threes, you could turn a 30-point blowout into a maybe a 50-point blowout if Kevin Durant and Steph Curry start to play horse behind the arc. It's, it's over. And, and the Knicks only have maybe one consistent, maybe two three-point shooters. If you really count Brandon Jennings, and he's not even a high-percentage three-point shooter, how does this rule change, you know, benefit the Knicks at all? I mean, Phil Jackson's probably thinking out, just thinking, yeah, maybe he just had a four-point shot as, as part of his daily thoughts when he's zenning in his home. But that's not something you want 
in the NBA because it can get real, real ugly, especially with Golden State's lineup. It's the same thing we talked about baseball. If you change the game, it's going to change other portions of the game. So like you said, three in the key. Well, you know, it can't be three seconds anymore. You know, you can't, it can't be a five-second inbound. Everything is going to become longer. You know, no longer is it a 10-second to get it over the, the half court. Now everything has changed. And these players have been ingrained since their days in college or AAU ball to play a certain way. So now everything has to be changed. Like, really? There's going to be a, a four-point line when you're playing in a college stadium or, you know, those those NCAA tournament games, now not only do we have the college line, we have the NBA line, and we have an NBA four-point line. And then we've got the half-court line. Like, I, what? Where, where, do you, where do you stand? I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. It's comical. Uh, you know, I'm all for, you know, implementing new and fun ideas and making baseball or basketball fun again, but it has to be to a certain extent. Uh, again, this is something that... I'm not really sure where uh, Phil cooked this idea up, but, you know, hey, if you listen to Derrick Rose, he came out today and said that the Knicks are one of the NBA super teams, then I'm all for it because, you know what, according to him, it's only it's only the Knicks and the Golden State Warriors. Nobody else is really relevant in the NBA. Yeah, we, this, just ignore the, the current champions, the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. Who's, yes, who? that, that's, that's the smart thing to do, Derrick Rose. Yeah. But it, it, when it comes down to Phil Jackson... Anything that comes out of his mouth, you just kind of pause. And some people think because it's Phil, maybe it could work. Because, I, I mean, I saw people say, well, maybe this could work. And I'm like, or maybe not. Maybe Phil is just crazy. Maybe you just want Phil to run your team but not run the NBA. Because it could be, again, it could be a disaster. Uh, I, I could possibly see the shot clock thing happening, maybe. You know, if the NBA feels that centers are being phased out. But really, centers are becoming what they call, quote, unquote, rim protectors so people saying oh centers are dying they're not really dying they just changed the name to rim protectors so basically when you hear rim protector that means center but with the whole four-point shot that better never happen because then if it does happen then that reminds me of my junior high school gym class where we had oh it's a three-point shot over here there's a four-point shot over here there's a five-point shot over here what are we in kindergarten like these are professionals twos and threes that's it and fours maybe some fives no, definitely, definitely half a point. <laughs> half a point would be awesome. I think we just totally, totally make this game ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, what the hell? You know what? Times are tough. People need some extra points in their life. Let's let's just add uh, them in the NBA. Unless you're the Milwaukee Bucks or oh, the Detroit Pistons or Brooklyn something Nets, like that. Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn. The 76ers. And the Sixers need, they don't need a four-point shot. They need the three-point line to be further inward because they don't have any shooters. So unless you're one of those teams, they would probably be on board with this. True story. But if normal teams see this as a complete, it's a complete joke. And I, I guess it was just Phil just having a moment where he's just relaxing, sipping a pina colada, and just talking about NBA rules that he thinks in his mind would, would benefit the Knicks or just benefit the league in general. In reality, it's just not true. Phil lives in Montana in the offseason. He's a rancher. He does not drink pina coladas. Let's just get that. I guarantee you Phil drinks pina coladas. I think you drink pina coladas. That's probably about Listen, the truth. Phil is a, pl- is a pina colada dude. You can look at Phil and tell that he loves soft drinks. You are guy, you're erroneous. Seriously. Erroneous. Do you see him drinking a root beer? Seriously? A sarsaparilla, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Riding a horse? Yeah, yeah, I do, actually. Mm-hmm. He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. He is not a cowboy. Montana dude. Yeah. Montana. He owns like 7,000 acres of land in Montana. 
Yeah, he owns it, but he's he's just chilling his porch, just thinking and reading books. That's just that's just Bill Jackson for you. Sounds lovely. That that sounds great. Well, that is it for the open mic. We'll be right back with, of course, building momentum, and we're gonna talk a whole lot of baseball. Be right back. It's now time for building momentum. So Mike has conspiracy theories, and he has, I guess, an idea to fix the Dodgers as Clayton Kershaw heals, or he's well, he's out indefinitely with a with a bulging disc in his back, and the Dodgers could look to trade and make a huge trade to continue their push for the playoffs. Right now, they're in a wild card spot behind behind the Giants in their division, but I'll let Mike take it away and and tell you guys what the Dodgers could do before the trade deadline to help themselves in the playoffs. This has just been one huge injury season after the next for the Dodgers. And, you know, obviously when you lose the best pitcher in the game, um, your chances are, are slim to none. Now, again, like Mo said, he may or may not be out for the year. It is a bulging disc. I can only imagine the pain that he would be in. Uh, hasn't pitched in almost a month now. Uh, he was pitching like Clayton Kershaw always pitches. Fantastic. Uh, but it, this is going to be tough. The Dodgers, you know, they're, 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 they're lying in the weeds. They're around, you know, they're, they're four and a half games out of first. They're closing in on a wild card. They're actually not playing too bad. Even a guy like Justin Turner, ex-Met, <clears throat> hit two home runs last night. So, I mean, you know, it's it just you cannot lose a three-time Cy Young winner and think you're going to be fine. So there has been some rumors about what the Dodgers potentially want to do. Uh, most recently is acquiring... Uh, Chris Archer from the Tampa Bay Rays having a horrible year, but I mean, really, who isn't who plays for the Tampa Bay Rays besides Evan Longoria? And speaking of Evan Longoria, another name that the Dodgers are potentially interested in adding, um, even though I just did say Justin Turner actually has 17 home runs on the year, you could shift him uh, to a utility role or maybe bump him to second and, and sit Chase Utley because, you know, it's not the Chase Utley of old. There's plenty of moves that could be made, but the issue here is that the Dodgers. Uh, they still have the number one farm system in all of baseball, but they're not going to trade a guy like Corey Sager. Uh, maybe Julio Urias, the left-handed pitcher who hasn't been great, but he's only 19 years old. He could be a piece, well, probably will be a piece, headed back to Tampa uh, if and when this deal goes through. It was about a 70% chance yesterday, Buster only said of ESPN, he said it's about 70% chance this deal goes through, which uh, if you listen to the Kevin Durant deal, remember he was 90% going back to Oklahoma City, so that really doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, looking at this deal, uh, an interesting name that could also head back to Tampa could be Yasiel Puig. Uh, you know, it's funny. I wrote a piece yesterday on why the Yankees should actually target this guy because he is a he's a trade low candidate. Uh, he's having a horrible year. He's batting around 250. He's only got about, what is it, seven, eight home runs, 33 RBI. But he's only 25 years old. And, yes, he is a physical specimen, looks like a Greek god out there. Yes, he is also a huge knucklehead. We don't know, you know, if and when he wants to play, how he's feeling today. But at 25, with all that talent, and he has shown the capability to put it all together, uh, probably would be a piece that Tampa Bay would want in return. So you put Puig, just to, you know, bring in fans would probably be that. Obviously, it's Florida, so there's a large Cuban contingent. Uh, Tampa, probably not so much, but you know it's it's not a horribly far drive from Miami and the like. So you take him, you take Urias, and like I said, they do have the number one uh, farm system in all of baseball. It would probably take about two or three more pieces to acquire Archer and Longoria. But again, those two guys to a Dodger team that let's say they get back uh, Clayton Kershaw could put them in the running for you know to win the National League crown because let's face it. 
the Mets are now more games out of first than the Yankees. So, ha ha. Um, so why are we, wait, why are what? we taking shots? The Mets segment is next. We're talking just, about the Divers because right I want now. To. Have to because, because, I just, because I want to. That's just me. Um, but but <laughs> there, already have, there have been some trades that already have gone down. Uh, we did see uh, Drew Pomeranz getting dealt from uh, San Diego to uh, the dreaded Boston Red Sox. They did give up, you know, they gave up a, a single-A pitcher, but there's there's moves being made. So it'll be interesting to see how the Dodgers, uh, or if the Dodgers do anything, because that's the thing with baseball right now, and ever since the implementation of uh, the second wild card, is that it gives more teams the opportunity to make the playoffs. So a lot of teams that are, aren't necessarily or shouldn't necessarily be thinking they're going to make the playoffs like the Yankees do think that they can because there's a second wild card game. So what all that means is that there's less trades like there used to be, you know, way back when before the second wild card game, because everybody, anybody thinks they can make the playoffs. You know, it's a one game plan. You get in, who knows you win that one game plan. You, you're in, you're in the divisional series. So crazier things have happened, but you know, the Dodgers, uh, they have to stay healthy, which is something they have not been able to do all season. Uh, so it'll be tough. The Howie Kendrick, who's really a second baseman, is in left. Jack Peterson's been on and off the DL. Andre Ethier hasn't played at all this year. And now, you know, the pitching staff has been one duct tape job after the next, and, and losing a guy like Clayton Kershaw is just, uh, you know, it's 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 not going to be easy to overcome. So getting a guy like Chris Archer, who, if he's right and still young enough, could be could be the, you know, the, the top guy of your rotation, especially if Kershaw is out for the rest of the year. Well, Fangraphs has the projection for the Dodgers winning 91 games, which gives them 40% chance of winning the division, 82% chance of making the playoffs. So I, I'm asking, do they really have to make a move? Is it imperative that they make a move, or are they should they just be happy with making the playoffs and then just seeing what happens with Kershaw down the line? Well, it's tough because the Dodgers have the highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball, and we know that Magic Johnson and his, his people that own the team have deep pockets so if they if they want to win you know the window is now because they don't have a they don't have a super young team at the major league level they have young pieces like peterson and sager but uh, you know adrian gonzalez and chase utley and justin turner these guys are getting up there even kershaw even though he's still young for pitching uh he's now has back issues kenley jansen might be a free agent so you know in baseball it's a relatively small window that you have a chance to win and if you feel that you know you have the money you you want to win every year so i i understand where they're coming from and there are good names on uh, possibly available uh for trade sunny gray with the oakland a's julio Tehran with the braves uh two a two teams that are really bad that are looking to completely rebuild so you could get those guys you're going to have to give up you know a decent amount of prospects uh, they're not going to want anybody with any kind of money attached to them because teams like that are rebuilding. But those are guys that, if you add to the fold, will help you. I'm all for always, if you, if you think you're think you going to compete, why wait till next year? And, and that's the biggest thing, and that's the conundrum that the Yankees have been in all season is, you know, we have some kids in the minors, but we, we have some older contracts and some guys that aren't really going to get us anything in return. So it's, it's the waiting game. But the Dodgers have been pretty proactive in the past couple of years. So if they can go out and get really any of these guys that are currently on floating around there in the, in the atmosphere of, you know, will they or won't they, they should. Because uh, if you know the, the free agent, I guess, spending spree that will happen in the offseason is not very good this year. It's actually really, really bad. Uh, next year, 2000, what is it, 2017-18 is when some of the big names and then the, the following season after that is huge with the Bryce Harpers of the world. So 
if you think you're going to compete this year and next year, I make a move now because uh, why wait till the off season when there's not really that many great names available anyhow? I'm sticking to it. Mets and Dodgers and that and that on those wild card spots, but we'll see. Speaking of the Mets, though, well, I, before Mike pats himself on the back, Yoenis uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cespedes wants to play left field instead of center field. One, because he's comfortable in that position, and two, he wants to protect his quadriceps, his ailing quadriceps. But it causes a problem because then you have to juggle Michael Conforto, who's coming back from AAA after his hitting slump. Then you have Juan Lagares, and you have Diaz. And it's the same. Who who would you put at center field? And and Mike feels, I guess this is a conspiracy theory. I wouldn't call it a conspiracy theory, but Mike feels that maybe a trade can happen to fix this log jam. He, Mike is not a really huge fan of uh, Curtis Granderson. Nope. So, I mean, we'll see what the Mets do, but I'll let Mike give you his conspiracy theory about what could happen before the trade deadline. Well, we said this from the beginning of the year. You know, at least I mentioned it. I, I did. I, I mentioned it. You know, well, I did because, you you know, you think that the Cespedes can play, you know, every position and all positions, but he can't. And obviously there's a discourse in the Mets clubhouse because he doesn't want to play left. And the biggest thing is now is Cespedes has that opt-out at the end of this year. And he's, he's to, to put it bluntly, is not happy with the way the Mets have handled him because he's not a center fielder and his body is not used to the type of routes you have to play to go after the ball. It's a total different ball game from left to center. So he's going to take that opt-out, to put it bluntly. He's going to take the opt-out. He's going to get paid. Can the Mets resign him? Sure, why not? But it's the same thing in the NBA. If you have the opt-out, you're going to take it because you want to get more money. So he'll take the opt-out because now he's upset with the way the Mets have handled him. And I, I, I still have never been a big fan of Terry Collins and the way he manages his team. Can they put Juan Lagares in center? Well, he's probably your best option because he's your only true center fielder on, on the team. He doesn't hit much. Uh, I think he's about around 260, give or take. But if you want to play strong defensively, which pitching and defense wins you championships, and obviously the Mets have the pitching, uh, then you put Lagares in center and you figure out a platoon situation between Granderson and Conforto and Wright. Now, no, Conforto is not a right fielder by trade. He's a left fielder, but too bad. You have to put Cespedes in, in left until if and when he leaves next year. Uh, Conforto can't hit left-handed pitching at all, which you know, unfortunately will be his downfall eventually. Uh, Granderson's hitting left-handed pitching better. He is signed for one more year. Uh, I don't worry about next year from the Mets right now. You're you're the defending National League champion. You need to get back to the promise line where you were last year. I know you just lost Matt Harvey, and there's question marks with Syndergaard and everyone else, but you have to at least do, do the, the best possible job you can of getting back and rewarding the fan base for sticking with you for so many years, especially this is, what, the 30th anniversary of the 1986 Mets. So, um, you know, you want to show that, hey, we're, we're here to stay. Uh, so you put Granderson and, and Conforto in a platoon situation depending on who is pitching, right-handed, left-handed pitchers. Obviously, the, the smart move is to go out and get a center fielder. Uh, there's not a ton available. It's uh, it's a, it's an interesting market. I mean, I don't think a guy like Brett Garner, if the Yankees would even trade him, would, would help you that much. A guy like Puig, we already just talked about. Again, not a center fielder by trade. He might be able to play it. Uh, you know, there's this Ian Desmond, who was a shortstop, is playing center for Texas. So it's not a not a ton of options out there. We talked Matt Kemp a while ago, but even him, he is not a center fielder anymore because it doesn't have that speed and that lateral quickness. So if the Mets want to want to keep the pieces they have and they want to, you know, 
do something, you know, to be, to get back into this race because right now the Washington Nationals are running away with that division, and even the Marlins are playing, you know, as good as the Mets as, as anyone could have possibly, uh, you know, understood before the season started. You have to you have to put your best team out there, and you need to. If that doesn't work, then make some trades. But, you know, standing where they are right now about a week and a half before the non-waiver trade deadline, just put your best team out there. And, and if you gotta you got to pacify your, your star player, Cespedes, then, then so be it. Because, again, this is a guy that carried you last year. And, you know, around him, the team's not hitting a whole lot. So if you want to get him jump-started, put him in left field, let him do, do what he does. The other night he threw a guy out from left field. I mean, I don't understand what the problem is, but... It's, that's Terry Collins' job to lose. Before Mike pats himself on the back any further, um, I'll just ask, did, did you watch the 30 for 30 with Dwight yeah. Whitten and Daryl Strawberry? I, I did because that was one of my, like, you know, obviously I was three at the time, so that was one of my teams that I grew up, you know, kind of watching, and I was only three, but my dad put me in front of the TV, and, you know, I loved that. I loved that 86 team. You know, they did. Did you catch it? You were three, and I was about, what, seven months? Yeah, so you didn't, <laughs> yeah, you didn't watch I, it. Yeah. I did catch it, and then uh, I... I didn't know a lot of the story, obviously. I mean, my grandfather at the time, he would watch all the Met games, and he I heard he was just ecstatic when that happened. It's just sad to see Daryl Strawberry and, and Dwight Gooden, the, the path they took. I mean, they seem okay now. What seemed a little troublesome at the end of the documentary, Dwight Gooden said, well, he, he could tell you that he's clean now, but he can't promise you that he'll be clean tomorrow, but he can promise you that if he does what he did today, tomorrow, that he'll be clean. That kind of worried me a bit because it, it's so easy to slip back into bad habits, and I and I wish both of them the best. Dale Strawberry seems to be doing a lot better for himself. He's, he's, with, he's got a new wife, he's in with the church, and he's trying to help other people with their issues. But you could see at the time when they were, they were in their prime, it was – it was such a short window. Like, they won that World Series, and then it just kind of fell apart right after. Like, a lot of people don't realize that Daryl Strawberry went to play for the Dodgers, and then they both, Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, united, reunited, and played for the Yankees, and that made my skin crawl a little bit, but they did. They yeah. reunited, and they played with the Yankees. Steinbrenner gave them a chance, and it shows a different side of Steinbrenner that he was able, that he was willing to give them a second opportunity or third opportunity in some cases to, to redeem themselves despite all the transgressions in their careers. But it was good seeing them together again, you know, chat, you know, chatting it up, chopping it up. But I, I wish them both the best going forward because they both went through rough pathways in their career. They did. And, you know, the skeptics can, can look at it and say, you know, these guys had, had it all and they, they, kind of blew it you know and, and again it's addiction it's a total different beast if you've never if you've never dealt with addiction yourself or been around somebody who cared for somebody that has it you don't quite understand it but yeah these guys had had everything that they could possibly want at a very young age in a major city and and it just became too much and i actually got the chance to meet uh doc gooden as, as a kid and he just seemed like a very humble guy a nice guy but yeah, whether it was peer pressure or just growing up in a tough neighborhood in, in Tampa, Florida, um, you know, the, 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 the demons got the best of them. And, you know, we do wish, wish the best for them now, but you can just tell by watching the documentary that Dwight is frail, man. He just doesn't look, doesn't look healthy, um, you know. So, you know, hope for the best for him. Obviously, you know, 
who knows how good a guy could have been the greatest right-handed pitcher of all time. I mean, they had all the tools. And it's sad if you're still a Met fan, you know, like you think what could have been, you know, the Mets should have won two, three World Series championships. But I guess at the end of the day, you got to be glad that Alicia got 1986 because, you know, uh, again, they were one out away on that Mookie Wilson ground ball to Bill Buckner to losing that World Series. So, you know, whether you call it fate or whether you call it, you know, just divine intervention, you know, the Mets won. So, it, but it was really, it was cool to watch. I, I love those 30 for 30 documentaries. Yeah, that one, that one was pretty good because it took me back to a time where I, I probably watched a lot of games, but I just wasn't aware of exactly what was going on and the magnitude and how good the Mets were at that time and how good they could have been had their two stars kept their heads in the game and stayed together. But uh, again, we, we wish both Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry the best going forward, and we hope they both stay clean and, and continue to help communities where they're from or just reach out to other people that may be going through the same problems. But we'll move on to a little bit of football. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is selling his New Jersey home, and he's he hasn't been returning Brandon Marshall's text, which seems kind of a little scary to me. I mean, not to me, but for Fitzpatrick supporters or people who want Fitzpatrick starting for the Jets, it could be a sign that he's moving on. Now, he could be selling his home because he's getting a better home, or he could be selling his home because he doesn't think he's going to sign a contract and he can he doesn't have a reason to be in Jersey. But all in all, it could be Geno Smith time. Now, no! No! First, yes, at first no. I was just like you, and I said, no, I don't want Geno Smith back in lineup. But then I thought about it, and I said, Let's look at what Geno Smith had when he was the starting quarterback. He was a rookie. Remember, when he was a rookie, he beat the Patriots as a rookie. So in the second year, when the whole thing fell apart, it wasn't just Geno Smith in 2004. It was the whole team. Rex Ryan knew that his job wasn't going to be had at the end of the year. He knew that he was going to be moving on in the offseason. John Idzik completely screwed that team from the secondary standpoint. They didn't have enough cornerbacks. To, to defend in a pass-happy league. So that, that entire team was just in flux. So I think it was more than just Geno 2014. I think as he gets his third opportunity with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, two six-foot-tall-plus wide receivers, he'll do a lot better in his third year because Fitzpatrick didn't do much before he got to the Jets. Before he got to the Jets, Fitzpatrick, pretty much he, he earned one long-term deal with the Buffalo Bills, and he squandered it with another poor season. So Fitzpatrick didn't overnight just become a solid starter. He had a really good supporting cast. You had Chris Ivory there. As I mentioned, you had Decker and you had Marshall. I would like to see what Geno Smith can do with those weapons and see if I'm not saying he's going to take the team to 10 and 6, but I think he could do pretty good with that supporting cast in, 2000, in 2016. Yep, 7 and 9. Real good. Real good. Peter. Yeah, yes, I am because he is, he's just not... I don't feel he's good enough to be a starting caliber NFL quarterback. And as a Jet fan, I hope he makes me eat my words. But I, I am not confident with going into the season as Geno Smith as my starting quarterback. There's nobody on the current roster of the Jets that, that anybody should feel confident about because they haven't proven anything. And, and to be honest with you, if to, I'd be lying if I said I, I, I was comfortable with Ryan Fitzpatrick last year because it was Ryan Fitzpatrick and he is a turnover machine and that's unfortunately what he fell back on towards the end of the regular season last year, which is why the Jets didn't make the playoffs. So 
Uh, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing a game that he's not going to win. I don't understand where he thinks he's going to get the money he thinks he's going to get because there's nobody that needs a quarterback right now. Maybe he's waiting to see the regular season start or training camp breaks and somebody gets hurt because it's inevitable uh, and all of a sudden he falls into a spot. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know where that's going to happen. We won't know until if that does happen. But for whatever the reason, he got rid of his 9000 square foot home paying nine thousand dollars a month he's got like nine kids so he likes the number nine uh doesn't mean he's gonna leave jersey he was only renting maybe he stays maybe he wants a bigger place it's obviously not a good sign that he's not returning text but uh you know he is a smart guy went to what is it harvard uh, according to everybody in the nfl doesn't need the money uh he's got a lot of outside investments so maybe he pulls an adam laroche and he says he packs it in he just doesn't want to play i mean who knows guys have different standards and Every, you can't pigeonhole him into you know the situation. But as far as the Jets are concerned, man, I just don't I don't know because even listening to guys on the radio in the NFL Network the other day, they said that you have to expect a thirty percent drop off in the offense the way if Geno Smith comes in, and it's true. Decker, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. Decker and Marshall were at fantastic last year, and you bring in Matt Forte, and this is a team offensively and defensively that's ready to compete now. So putting in a Hackenberg or putting in a Bryce Petty, who I like, it just it doesn't make sense on paper. So you you are stuck with Gino because he has played. And, you know, whether he's played good or bad, like the game he played against Raiders where he came in was really good. But it hasn't been enough to sustain for someone to say, like, all right, yep, Jets are going to make the playoffs with Gino. Man, I hope so. But at, at the same time, I'd rather have Jay Cutler. To me, Jay Cutler. <laughs> Bring in another bear. We need another Chicago bear. No, we don't. We don't need Jay Cutler, okay? If, yeah. if any Chicago Bear we need, we need Alshon Jeffrey, but we that's need, story. We need Gail uh, Sayers, but, you know, I'm that's okay. Still, I'm still in the Geno bandwagon. Not the Geno bandwagon, but I just don't think he's as bad as people. I mean, he got punched in the face, and he gets, you know, gets a lot of flack for that. But I think as as in, he's pretty much the same as Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in as the backup to Geno Smith last year. Yeah. The only reason Fitzpatrick got his opportunity is because Geno got punched in the face. Best thing ever. So to think that Ryan Fitzpatrick was the guy to, from the beginning is silly because he was the backup yeah, anyway. Sure. So I, I think the Jets. I don't think the Jets make the playoffs with either quarterback because they have a brutal schedule. That I believe four of their first six games against playoff teams and on the road. Right. You got to play teams like Kansas City and Pittsburgh on the road I don't know you don't even get the New England Patriots without Brady no. so even 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 with either unless they luck up and get another quarterback the Jets are going to have a tough time getting to 10 games let alone another postseason berth but well I mean we'll see I think Fitzpatrick signs right either I think right before the second preseason game I think he is going to wait to see if a quarterback goes down and then he can kind of get some leverage back over the Jets to say hey I could be a fill-in over here and make decent amount of cash but if no one gets hurt and or no team is willing to reach out to a filling quarterback, then he either signs with the Jets or he goes back and he plays with his kids because it's just not going to happen anywhere else. But uh, if you think about it, let's say let, let's say let's say the Jets actually do well because their defense because they did sign Mahan Wilkes into a long term deal. Uh-huh. Let's say the defense does carry them; they do have a chance. But they just need someone who's serviceable. They don't need a grade-A quarterback. They need a decent quarterback because your boy Peyton Manning did it without an arm last year. Ramen right. noodles. Geno Smith. Geno Smith this year should be better than Peyton Manning last year. So as long as you have a pretty good defense, you're fine. So you just compared noodle arm to being a, li- being a little worse than Geno Smith this year. Oh, he my does. goodness. He's, yes. 
Yeah. Do would you like to refute that statement? Would you rather have Geno Smith or Peyton Manning without an arm? But Peyton Manning's phys- phys- his oh, physical and, no his physical Frank, issues oh. are bad. But he's so, he, he was, has the biggest brain in the exactly. game. Exactly, he does. He was smart. He he was smart. He knew to rely on the defense and to rely on the running game. And if the jet the Jets have three very good running backs, I pound the ball. 40 times if I have to with Geno Smith, and I do the old Tim Tebow throw the ball 10 times a game because I just don't trust him to to drive down the field consistently. But again, it's possible. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett said it best. Everything is possible. But you cannot start the season thinking that Geno Smith will lead you to the playoffs, even though we all hope that is what, what is possible because it's, just a, it's a major drop-off in, in, what, in what was accomplished last year. That is all. If Geno Smith starts this year, which I don't think he does, I think Fitzpatrick eventually steps in. If he starts this year, I'm going to be rooting for him so hard sure. that only people eat crow because then you'd be like, oh, yeah, we all know Geno Smith was great. No, I won't yeah, say we that. all knew Geno Smith could no. do it. I'm like, shut up. No, you didn't. I won't say that. I'm... I was the only guy on the Geno Smith bandwagon. Yes, before. because you attach yourself to these rum dumb players that you feel like oh well you know evan turner my best friend let's uh let's ride him to the promised land now it's Geno smith's turn listen first of all first of all evan turner is pretty good oh he's pretty good now yeah now him is second of all i just don't like to see people get picked on to the point beyond beyond reasonable you know be i mean they're reasonable doubt i mean let Geno smith at least play let him get on the field and let's see if he made improvements because if you remember last off season they were saying that he showed improvements on the practice field he wasn't throwing picks he was pretty good he just had an incident off the field and that and that cost him his season unfortunately but we'll see we'll see what happens but we'll move on to more nfl well more sports rule tweaks yeah the nfl may tinker with the field goal post shrinking it from 18 feet 6 inches to 14 feet. The NFL actually experimented with this during the 2015 Pro Bowl. Adam Vinzieri missed a 38-yard field goal and then two 35-yard extra point kicks. Now, I say this is this is damaging to the kickers because now you're going to have players saying, oh, if a kicker misses a kick, oh, stupid kicker, he's not an athlete, why do we even have kickers? We should just go for two points. Now, Head coaches now are going for two points more often. The Steelers said they were willing to go for two points all the time. That's Mike Tomlin. Love it. And Ben Roethlisberger was even co-signed saying, yeah, we'll go for two points. And I feel this is what the NFL wants. They want more uncertainty because back when we had the extra point, and what did you do when the team scored a touchdown and they lined up for the extra point? You went to the refrigerator. You went and called your girlfriend. You stepped out. You did anything else but watch the extra point. So the NFL wants wants you to watch after the team scores a touchdown, and I think this could accomplish that. But I I don't like the idea of shrinking the field goal post because again, it puts kicker it puts kickers in a very tough position. They're already in a tough position where they're not looked at as athletes. If you if you wanna if you wanna make the extra point hard, just take it away and just force all teams to go for two points if that's the case. But that's just my opinion. Does nobody remember the cautionary tale of Ray Finkel? Ray Fink, you see, Mo doesn't Mo doesn't watch movies, so he wouldn't get my movie reference. <laughs> Ray Finkel, Finkel and Einhorn, Einhorn and Finkel, Mo. That's the Ace Ventura. Um, you know Jim Carrey. Have you I ever seen that. Ace Ventura? I 
remember that. Oh, yeah, I don't believe you. Anyway, uh, I mean, what is this going to come to? Is this going to come to, like, arena football where, you know, there's a net behind the guy and you can return it if he misses, like, an extra point? Like, it's just – it's getting absurd. The kicker's job – it looks easy on TV. I guarantee you it's not that simple. And there's enough pressure on these guys as it is. Go out there. Try to kick a football. You will probably break every toe on your foot. It is not that simple, okay? I, I, I just don't understand. Like, it's a, it's a minor part of the game, but it, uh, but on paper, but it, it's so important to the bottom line. Teams lose games because they've missed field goals. They miss extra points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Scott Norwood, Buffalo Bills. I mean, there there are so many instances of you miss a field goal, you blow your team's chances. So you don't give these guys much credit, but then when you need them, uh, well, you better make the field goal. And that's why a guy like Vinatieri, who's 65 years old, is still in the league because he continues to be consistent. No, he probably can't kick it further than, I don't know, 48 yards anymore, but anything within that, he's money. So... You want to change the game? Is it? I don't know. Is this for the sake of changing the game? Probably. Uh, according to the report, they're going to put microchips in the footballs in training camp and, and preseason games to figure out exactly the percentage of – I don't even know. They're just going to put them in there to figure out if this is a necessary evil or not, which, again – leave it alone like i understand the, the concussions and possibly and they're talking about it now in the ncaa taking away kickoffs and giving them giving the ball to the to the players at the 20 yard line uh, again changes the game completely but i understand that rationale about it we're trying to save the head-on collisions full speed i get that but but changing changing the, the goalpost i mean then let's just do away with let's just do away with field goal kickers altogether yeah, and that's that's because again, that's gonna marginalize them because they're already. I mean, most kickoffs now are touchbacks, so you're taking it from the twenty anyway. Yeah. To me, I say if you want to make extra point kicks interesting, move it to the forty-three. Make make it a forty-three yard kick because that's I believe at that point after forty yards, you start to see more misses from kickers. You start to see more block kicks. So again, the NFL they're trying to make that extra point interesting. They they want you to watch. They want you to watch every single stinking minute of the game. So they're trying to make that interesting. And I think again, a forty-three yard kick would would make it interesting. It's a thirty-three yard kick now. Still, 93% of kickers converted on extra points, so they, they're looking for something maybe in the 80, 75%, 75% range to, to, again, make make the game interesting. But, again, I say if you're going to do all of that and move kicks and shrink goalposts, just make just make everyone go for two because you're already, you're already taking away kickoffs, so that kickers will have to use their leg for those. And just make it a longer kick or just go for two. One, one point for the long kick, two points to go for two, obviously. And you fix the whole problem. Instead of adding microchips and shrinking this and expanding that, it, I don't know. It, it just is unnecessary, but the NFL is going to do what they can do to make the game interesting. But the, they already have a good product. It's all about safety now. And this is obviously not a safety issue. It's just the NFL being greedy and trying to make the game a lot better than what it already is. Thank you, Roger Goodell. You've ruined <laughs> another fantastic why are you hating on roger goodell what? did you see the movie you? concussion did you see what he did to will smith oh gosh exactly I, no, you don't even because do yeah, you don't watch okay. movies you Listen. don't like cinema yeah yeah because i'm busy out here running businesses that's why <laughs> once 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 i'm making a million dollars i will have a movie theater in my home and i watch all the movies i can watch at that point but until I then i don't believe it i'm a grinder i'm sorry for being a hard worker mike oh I'm not like the tiny the, lemonade on the beach the world's tiniest violin plays for you maurice 
What's that? I said the world's tight. Never mind. All right, let's get into NCAA uh, and the talk of expansion, especially in the Big 12. Uh, If you know the Big 12 doesn't have a conference championship game, hasn't ever, uh, looking to add uh, a couple of teams to the fold. Big 12 has lost a couple of teams over the past couple of seasons. Uh, You know, it's been in flux. They lost Nebraska. They've they've lost Colorado. Not you know these are pretty pretty good teams. Pretty solid in their approach. Uh, West Virginia, obviously, these teams have bounced around a lot. So now there's there's about what four or five different teams on the docket potentially bringing them in. Um, you notice one team on that list, Mike? Uh, are you familiar with one with one school? I should say on that list. I mean, I'm I'm familiar with one, but I'm sure you. If I talk about them, you're gonna get mad. No, go ahead. Cause I know you wanted to, so you might as well go ahead. No, 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 oh. no. This is this is all this is all you. I'm gonna wait to to bash you if you don't talk about them yourself. So go ahead. <laughs> well, one of the teams that could be joining the Big Twelve is UCF. Yeah, yeah. Which Mike loves because his fiance is alumni of the school, alumnus of the school. So I'm sure Mike is on board for UCF joining the Big Twelve. But also, there is a better choice. Better the Big Twelve. That's BYU because they have a great program. Their academia is pretty good. Nine and four, ten and three, ten and three, ten and three, eight and five in the last five years as an independent. It came from the Mountain West Conference. So I think BYU should be the top choice. I'm sorry, UCF. I'm sorry, Mike and his fiance. UCF is probably a cool school, great but school. BYU fits from a competitive and an academic standpoint. Yeah, well, I mean, that what? how many teams are we talking about? Are we going to allow one in? Are we allowing two, four? Because obviously the more teams we allow in, then we have to go to conferences like, like we have in the SEC and like we have in almost every division. So which that means is then you have to play a conference championship game, which again will bring more revenue, uh, but it's going to change the dynamics of the season. Uh, obviously BYU was once a, a proud, you know, great school, uh, football school. At, you know, we're talking Ty Detmer, Steve Young. I mean, great players have come out of there. Uh, another team, Houston. Yeah, Houston was great last year, 13-1. and But, I mean, how long have they sustained? It's only been over the past five years that they've been kind of relevant in, in terms of football. And, you know, uh, it's, it's tough to compare them because you, you compare them to a school like the University of Central Florida where two years ago Blake Bortles, third overall pick in the NFL draft, led this team to a Fiesta Bowl win over – Baylor, uh, Bryce Petty and Baylor. So a team that went 11 and one. Now I know last year for UCF was a horrible season. Actually, did not win a game, but it was a team in flux. So they did bring in Oregon's uh, offensive coordinator Scott Frost to be their head coach. So hopefully that brings a renewed optimism to the school. But as far as UC- yeah, ho- well stop it. Hopefully, I mean UCF is the second largest student body in the nation behind Arizona State. They have the money. They have a, they have a, a practically a brand new stadium on campus. Now it only does hold around. 36,000 but uh, the way it was built there was always that probable palpitation that they could add 30,000 more seats because if they if they were to ever get an invitation from a from a conference like the big 12 so that's not a problem so it really just comes down to the market you know obviously houston is a big city um I mean, Brigham, Brigham Young, do you, do you want a team playing out there in the Ozarks? I don't know. But uh, that's it just a bit, it just really depends on how many schools you're looking to add. Connecticut, you know, if we're talking basketball, sure. Memphis, same thing. Colorado State, meh. I mean, Cincinnati, you know, bring me Kenyon Martin. I don't really – it's tough to say. But uh, regardless, it's going to be about the money. It's going to be about the school that's going to bring in, uh, you know, the biggest TV deal, uh, the biggest ticket draws at – 
you know, on Saturdays or Thursday nights or whenever they're playing. And, and you know, t- I know being around the, the UCF student body or the, the campus, which is only five miles from where I live, they pack them in every Saturday, whether the team is 0-16 or 11-1 or 4-4 four and four or whatever you want to say the record is at the time, they do pack them in because college is a business. And if you think it's not, then good luck to you. Well, I was just looking at Indeed.com at the job market, and it seems that um, UCF is looking for a new athletic director. Would you like to apply, Mike? Because you spent a good amount of time supporting UCF joining the big, you know, the Big Twelve. So maybe, maybe that job is perfect for you because you could just send this tape in, this show as yeah, an audition. I really could. To AD there if you want. I would love to, and I would make you my assistant uh, slash coffee boy, and I think it would be absolutely great for the both of us. No, I mean. Look, George O'Leary was the head coach of the football team, and he was also the athletic director, and we, you know, he had a great run, but all good things must come to an end. So uh, it's it's a it's a school on the up. Uh, unfortunately, their football team didn't stay where it was. Blake Bortles did some great things for the school, but it did at least put them in the national conversation. Should a team like Houston and BYU be placed in the division before UCF? Yes, if you go on what the football team has done in the past uh, you know, notwithstanding that Fiesta Bowl win, then yeah, sure. Uh, obviously, they have more of a, uh, you know, pedigree. But but if you want to put all those other things into the equation, like I said, with, with money, that, and that's really, what, at the end of the day, what the NCAA is concerned about, then you have to put UCF into the conversation. You know, and, you know, again, it, it will it affect more than just football? Yeah, I mean, it should. Again, it's going to affect all sports, Unless you're, of course, you're you're a school like Notre Dame, which can kind of pick and choose where they want to play. You know, ACC in basketball, but independent in football. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. You do know the first day as your assistant, I'm <laughs> spilling hot coffee all over you, right? And then I'm taking over your job and leading UCF to prominence. Just just putting that out there, by the way. Hey, but, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> but we are going to talk, we're going to wrap it up, and we're going to talk about two things that Mike could not wait to talk about And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars and Pokemon. (laughs) The wrap-up. And the moment you all have been waiting for. This is the Pokemon segment for all you Pokemon Go players. And apparently, the Jacksonville Jaguars have embraced the world's biggest craze at the moment. Pokemon Go Night will be at Everbank Field, which is Jaguar Stadium, July 25th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. The stadium will feature Pokestops and gyms for players who are interested in playing. Now, I will say this. Before I ask Mike, does he play Pokemon, which he probably doesn't because he's probably too cool to play Pokemon, I will say that when I was growing up, Pokemon was one of the best things in the world. I had the red version. I had the blue version. I had the yellow version. I had the silver version. I had the gold version. I had the rainbow version. It was great. I'll say that. What I will also say is I have a Pokemon story. I was at Best Buy yesterday. I was buying a wireless mouse, and a guy came up to an older woman, and he said, do you know what I'm playing? And she was like, what? And she was kind of interested in what he was playing because he seemed enthused about it. He was like, yeah, I'm playing Pokemon, and there's there's a Pidgeot right behind you, and I'm trying to catch it. Could you please just scoot over? And I, I had to laugh because... It is really taking over everywhere, from Brooklyn to Orlando. It's probably in Canada, Mexico, it's China. I'm sure it's in China because a lot of these games come out, and actually Japan, I should say, games come out there, and then they come to North America. And we play it here, and it's it's part of the craze. I, I like it because people actually get up off their butt 
and they go catch Pokemon. So there's a little bit of cardio in there, a little great cardio, but it's still cardio. And people get to have fun, and it's a little bit of nostalgia for people my age. Mike's age, too, but I'm sure he's going to probably deny playing Pokemon because he was probably out playing baseball, softball with his buddies. But we'll let him tell it. Mike, do you play Pokemon Go? And if not, you probably should be playing. No, because I have friends. <laughs> See, he, it, it only takes one, two words, a couple words, and he takes a shot at all Pokemon Go players as if all Pokemon Go players are nerds who don't have friends, stay locked in their room, and collect cars all day, which is not the truth. But go ahead, Mike. No, they they now walk around and fall off of bluffs in California or, you know, do other ridiculous things. I mean, look, I'm all for people exercising. I'm all for people having fun, being united by something. I think it's great. Um, but, it, yeah, it's not for me. I never was into Pokemon. Um, I don't know. I don't even remember that when it eventually originally came out. I guess I was just on that cusp of not being a Pokemon player because, like you said, I played sports um and had friends and played playstation like that i'd rather play playstation or or play fantasy sports if i'm going to do something like you know that's basically entertainment uh you know it's not obviously it's not a constructive activity as far as it's not going to help me in my life any but i'm all for people having fun you know as long as it's not hurting others or you know you're doing it while driving or on other stupid you know things that you shouldn't be doing but yeah if you're looking to kill time i mean people talk about this like like it's just you know who did you catch i went to a gym i gave somebody raspberries and snozberries and i'm just like what like it's another language i mean i went out to dinner the other night and there's six of us and four people were talking about it and me and the other person was just like what the hell are you people talking about but it united the conversation for the most part so good for good for you guys enjoy yourselves i can't it's gonna go the way of candy crush you know a month from now no one's gonna be talking about this because again i was you know the little bit i know about it was like there's 150 pokemon to 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 catch and eventually you know you gotta buy things and it is money that you know obviously there's a money angle to this and you know they'll add pokemon as as the game continues to go on and actually found that i didn't know this was an old, this was, the layout of this game was an older game that's been around for years. So what Nintendo did is they just took the layout of the game, uh, which is you know a GPS type of thing, and they put their Pokemon characters into it. And FYI, Google is stealing all your information. So best of luck with that. Um, yeah, but no, I won't get too deep with the conspiracy theory. But my my question is, when you were saying like Red Virgin, Blue Virgin, are you still a virgin, and are you playing this game? <laughs> Number one is Blue Virgin. Oh, is, sorry. Installment, not Virgin, as in never had sex before. But we won't get into my escapades <laughs> on on the air. But I will say something else here is Pokemon became popular when I was about, I would say, sixth grade. So I was about eleven years old. Mm. So yeah, when I was at the lunch table, that was the thing. It was either Pokemon, Uno, or chess. Okay, what? I was an intellectual. Where did you go to school? Okay. Hogwarts? Like I don't. What? What did you? What? Listen, IS three eighteen, greatest junior high school in Brooklyn, is for intellects. It breeds a lot of smart people in this world who are probably running businesses right now, like me, and and. It's a, it's a great school. We had we had great experiences. We bonded over things like that. When you're 11 years old, you, you don't have much to do because when I was 11, Mike was probably 14 yep. chasing girls. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Again, he was too cool like, to yeah. play Uno, too cool to play chess, too cool to play Pokemon. But that's okay because you know why? People of all walks of life. The cool people are playing Pokemon. The non-cool people are playing it. The nerds are playing it. The jocks are playing it. Because NFL players have also been spotted trying to catch Pokemon. So, Mike, if you're too cool 
then that's fine. We understand you're on your own level. You're Mr. I, I'm too good for this. Yep. That's fine because we will still have Pokemon. And for all those people that are saying that, oh, it's used to track your your whereabouts. It how is. about all the other 55 apps you have on your on your phone that says, would you like to allow your location? What do you think that does when when you're walking around and you're at the pizza shop? It's tracking you. When you used to use Foursquare, that stuff, all of those things track you. So it's not just Pokemon. It's any other app. People are using that excuse to hate on a great game, and they need to stop it. Just stop it. Haters gonna hate. Players gonna play. Look, just turn off the camera, all right? At least turn off the camera so that the people <laughs> at Gmail and Google aren't, like, looking at your every a thing that you do i mean even there was a picture of mark zuckerberg like a month ago and he at the at the facebook studios wherever it is in california and he had the camera on his on his computer with a piece of tape over it even this man who invented facebook knows that people are watching your every move so just be careful it's all i'm saying is that just don't be naive turn off those settings that say you can be tracked uh because you know what it, it, it's a game it's fun but I'm sure that there's more to it, you know, not trying to be diabolical, but there's always an underhanded, you know, storyline that, you know, why is this game free? Why is it so popular? Yeah, well, there's usually a reason. So um, just be careful. Don't don't drive in Pokemon. Don't don't walk over dangerous things in Pokemon. Um, and you know what? Just, you know, Mo, just just try some speed dating, you know, and just do something different, man. And, you know, get get, get out there, experience life. But my, my social life is just fine. Thank you very much. Okay. I can play Pokemon 30 minutes a day and still be okay socially. Right. But my got a question for you. Since it is a Jaguar Stadium, you, you're going to drive down and catch yourself Pikachu or something? No? Um, I wouldn't drive, uh, I wouldn't drive down to Publix, which is a grocery store in Florida for, for a Pikachu. I mean... Uh, I mean, look, I will say this. There's a lot of businesses that are making a killing from this. I mean, there was a thing. Again, I was out yesterday. People are talking about, oh, if I catch this certain amount of thing, a business will give me a free meal. So it's it's great in that regard. I mean, it's it's basically, I guess, businesses can find, can call up and they can talk to the people at, at Nintendo or whoever's who's distributing this thing and say, can you put... I don't, I'm catch, I'm, see, I'm learning too much. Can you put a lore in my area? Can you can you can you make people like flock to me? And it works. And and businesses are making money, so it's smart. It's great advertising. Um, I just wonder. I wonder what the end game is for the people that uh, you know have developed and launched this game. And and one thing I did read, which was really cool, is that the, even the guy that developed Pokemon years ago is a, is a is a gentleman with autism. So you know that's awesome. I mean that is super cool. Uh, you know my fiance works with a lot of special needs uh, clients. So that is just. I you know I've been around it, been exposed to it, so that's amazing. So you know, you know don't take anything away from from that. Uh, but yeah, I want to see where it's gonna go. You know, this could be again. Nintendo is actually supposed to be coming into uh, Universal uh, Universal Studios theme parks in the coming years. So again, this could just be a precursor to many different things and a lot more money that is going to be made by the people that own you know the the, the rights to this game. So good for everybody. I'm glad it's not for me. I'm not gonna bash it, but you know what? Just do you as long as everybody's safe and has a good time. Uh, and no, I will not drive to Jacksonville because it's Jacksonville. And um, the Jaguars, have, they have bigger problems than worrying about Pokemon on the field. It's only two hours, Mike. It's only a two-hour experience. Pokemon Safari, two hours. Yeah, well, it was at, like, SeaWorld the other day, too, and I wasn't going to drive to SeaWorld, and that's only, like, 35 minutes from where I live. So uh, I'm good. You know, I don't want to – I don't like crowds. I'm good. 
So if you, if if you're keeping score, Mike is too cool and too lazy. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's two things that just don't mix with Pokemon very no, well. I don't want I don't want that. I'm building my empire as Ma, as Maurice Moten always says. So um, yeah. look, it's 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 the baseball time of year. It's it's the good stuff. We're getting into the trade deadline. We're getting into training camps in the NFL. I'm going to be watching uh, Hard Knocks on HBO featuring the Los Angeles Rams. I that's a, if anybody's ever watched it, it's a great documentary. A lot of fun. Uh, what is it, four parts? I think it's four, six parts, something like that. But, yeah, come on. NFL's getting started. Baseball's getting to the best part. Uh, we got the Rio Summer Olympics coming up. We're going to talk a lot of Zika virus in the next couple weeks. It's going to it's gonna be an exciting time. Um, so, yeah, I'm all about sports right now. I'm all about, you know, I got I got a film that may be going into the New York TV Film <laughs> Festival. So, you know, keep keep it locked on that. You know, I'm, I'm trying, trying a bunch of different things here. Mike is trying to give you all the excuses why he doesn't have 25 minutes to go outside and catch a gas. It's too hot. It. It's 900 degrees out, and I do not want to walk around when it's all hot out. You you have a lot of complaints. Too lazy, too cool, it's too hot. What, I'm just keeping it real, what, baby. Keeping it 100. What do you do on your free time that satisfies you, that doesn't that doesn't make you aggravated about something? What what are you doing with remember, your free time? Remember Seriously. what? Um, I'm, I'm not part of the Red Virgin team, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah. Mike, TMI. TM to the I. Really. Seriously. Hey, you know what? It is what it is. It's not for everybody. I'd rather play softball with my friends or watch a game or write some articles or make a screenplay, (laughs) whatever. But regardless, you guys need to go on Facebook. You need to go on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Just type in Mike and Mo Show. You need to follow, share, tweet, like, whatever. It's, um... We continue to do the show. Episode 23 is almost in the books. We're having a lot of fun. We want to keep uh, keep spreading the good word. We do have the YouTube channel up and running right now, so uh, there's no excuses if you don't can't listen to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play or one of the 900 other uh, avenues. Go on YouTube. Other than that, we also launched the brand new uh, Ask Mike and Mo uh, page where you can go to mentalitymedia.com slash podcast. Send us a question. Laura from Indiana actually had one. She wants to uh, get cracking on a Mike and Mo Fantasy Football League. So uh, if you're interested in that, drop us a line. We may just do that, and I will have to wipe the floor with everyone that comes and plays because I am a fantasy football god. You're, you are not, first I am. of all. I am. playing fantasy football. Oh, since before Years. you were born. Before you were conceived. No, I've probably been playing since like 2000. I mean, honestly. So you come from the Yahoo Sports oh, days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, and I played baseball, basketball, football. I even played hockey back in the day on Yahoo. I will never do that again, but yeah. <laughs> I will I will let you know, Mike, that I win at least one league every year, and I'm just going to have to make it our league if we do create one, which we will. Yeah. I'm sure we will create one because we had a we had an NCAA tournament. We will have an NFL Fantasy Football League that will be up soon. And I will win again. Um, and right. I'm sorry, Mike, if you – don't even qualify for the playoffs. Wow. Wow. Baloney. Look, you have to play in a league with more than just yourself. So first of all, so your chances of winning are diminished right there. Uh, but yeah, I already know that you're, you know, you're, you're going to take, you know, you're going to probably start off with a kicker in the first round then maybe you'll take a tight end. You'll definitely go to defense in the top three. So, you know, yeah, I bet you, you know what? You should have to take Geno Smith. And if, and if Evan Turner was a football player, you should have to take him too. Because well, well, Laura should take all Ohio State players if she's gonna play in that league. She can't. She, she can't because they're all in prison. So she can't. Oh, oh that's right. 
Clack, clack. <laughs> Mike is firing shots at everybody. He's getting, he's getting hot over here, so. Hey, that's I what think I was. Pokemon segment that got yeah. him revved up. But. Instead of playing Pokemon, I like to take shots at people because, you know what? It's fun. Family. It's really fun. But but before, no- we, before we go off air, I just want to pay respects to Dennis Green's family. If you don't remember who Dennis Green is, he was a former Vikings and Cardinals head coach. He was the guy who went to the podium and said, they are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. He's that guy. He passed away this morning due to a cardiac, cardiac arrest. So just respects to his family. People know him for, for that quote at the podium but he was also a very good head coach in his day absolutely rest in peace um you know it's it's, it's such a young man still 67 years old i mean it's unfortunate you know again we don't know the type of health uh conditions he was in before passing but uh you know uh we obviously pray for his family and you know time like this and uh you know great coach played had some wonderful players you know those Randy Moss years, Dante Culpepper, and then later with uh, you know the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So, rest in peace, uh, Coach. And um, you know that's uh, that's about it for episode twenty three. Like we said, hit us up on social media, Mike and Mo Show, pretty much any platform you've got. Listen to the show, tell your friends, get ready for the Mike and Mo Show Fantasy Football League. It's gonna be fun. Um, probably be like a, like a fifteen hundred dollar buy in. So uh, make sure you get your money money ready for me to take or you could just give it over to more money more buckets because you know i'm gonna win the league yeah, anyway but he doesn't need any money because he's already got like 12 12 businesses including a hot dog hot dog stand and an ice truck that patrols williamsburg <laughs> Bed-Stuy. Stand. Yeah. Stand. Doing, yeah doing big things but uh until next week i'm always is mike calendrillo that guy maurice moton and uh we'll catch you on the flip <laughs>